So welcome back to the Butterfly Effect. It's 2017 already. Um, it's fantastic to have you all back. Welcome, Chels. Welcome, Mel. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for having us back. Um, well, the BBL and the WBBL has been in uh, in full rotation the last month or two. It's been terrific to see so much coverage, particularly of the WBBL. Lots of matches live on Channel 10. And um, Mel, you've also bobbed up commentating um, a couple of the men's matches, which has been uh, fantastic to see in here. How's the How's that all gone? How's the feedback been? Uh, surprisingly, I have switched on my social media and sort of with bated breath, sort of waiting to see what the feedback was. It's been fantastic. And I think a little bit just because of the style in which we've gone about it, it wasn't this big, you know, um, grandiose kind of, you know, we've got a female leading the, the men's commentary at all. It was just, just get in there, do your job. The boys have been absolutely fantastic. And I think it's been just sort of just a subtle introduction, I guess, and it's probably snuck up on a few people. I think the comments generally in the lounge rooms have been, is that a girl? Who's that? And, oh, well, let's get on with it and just and watch the game, which I think has worked really well. And funnily enough, you know a lot about cricket. Yeah, well, funny about that. <laughs> it's certainly come in handy. I think the, the biggest challenge at the moment is because we've got uh, talk games on uh, Channel 10 for the WBBL, which is great, and mm. a mix of boundary riding and lead for the men. You add in the fact that all the other games are being live-streamed through cricket.com.au that every morning I just wake up not 100% sure where I am in the country. So <laughs> it's just that balancing of getting my, my admin done and most people who know me know I'm exceptionally poor at that. So um, that's been, been the biggest challenge at the moment. Yes, life in the fast lane yes. for a professional <laughs> cricket commentator. Well, look, it's been absolutely brilliant to uh, to um, tune in, you know, just personally watching watching it all unfold has just been terrific so well done from, from everyone in the butterfly effect <laughs> community and Chelsea, um no doubt with an afl season not too far away you're probably sweating through a pre-season and things like that how's how's the christmas new year been for for you it's been great lots of sweating i've been up in brizzy visiting family so a lot of um pre-season training sessions up there but unlike mel who has an absolutely crazy schedule i've also had some downtime which has been really welcomed um ahead of the head of the the afl season kicking off so um yeah just having a really good pre-season and you know what it's like mm. um really just suffering real suffer fest during I've, that pre-season period and I've, then get I've that time to <laughs> Out of the way, um, have you wiped it from your memory? Yeah, or? Did, nev- never happened. <laughs> um, yeah, so look, it's, it was great to have a bit of a break up in Brisbane, catch up with family, and um, now I guess we're starting to look ahead to the to the season. Mm. Well, you look fit, so it looks it must oh, be paying well. off. I, I think Thank I've gone you. the opposite. So I'm now they've got the commentator's diet, so I think I'm going oh, the opposite no, way no. to what you are. No, not true. <laughs> Still and, looking great, Mark. And what's, <laughs> what's the current benchmark for the time trials you've got to do, Charles? Well, we've got, I'm working on, training I'm doing at the moment, working on roughly four-minute Ks. So if I can run around that pace, I'll be happy. We've got a 3K time trial coming up uh, mid to late Jan. Yep. So they're individual benchmarks now, which yep. is interesting. They've sort of made sure that they cater to the, the diversity in the group, which I think mm. is a, a very evolved way of That's working. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, funnily enough, it was actually a lot easier to get the blanket benchmark when everyone had to get the same time. So they yeah. make sure that everyone's performing right. to their, their very <laughs> yeah. best. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no rest for the wicked. What's your time? Sure. What's your personal time? Well, my personal time, I think I've got to get under about, I think it's about 12.30. So I'm, ugh, look, touch wood on track yep. for that. So, because you, you kind of want to, you want to do better than your benchmark. You do. Brett Allen once said to me, never run a time you can't run again. 
It's a long season. You don't want to yeah. <laughs> you don't wanna, you don't wanna set your benchmark too quick because then you're going to have to beat it next year. And that's the thing. You go, and it's about I think learning to train for the season because it's not just about mm. like ticking the boxes. We've got to beat tests later in the year, and like the skin folds start, as you know. And um, it's about I think yeah, it's you've got to be really pumping till October. Mm. <laughs> so how, how much white line fever do you have? Are you competitive in that sense? So. Once you get there, you just go, no, that's it. I've got to bust a gut here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, there we go. That's the thing. I think once you step yeah, over that line, it's, yeah. um, you just want to do as well as you can. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I've been switching off. I haven't had much white line fever lately. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've, uh, we've got a fantastic interview with Daisy Pierce to share with everybody um, in a sec. Chelsea, how did um, how did it come to pass that you were chatting to Daisy? Yeah, well, we caught up. Um, I wrote an article about Daisy for Fernwood Magazine. So Fernwood Gyms have got a partnership with the Melbourne Footy Club ahead of the, the AFL women's season. So um, it was a great chance to sit down with Daisy and, and have a chat ahead of the season. Um, as you know, she's, oh gosh, she's been around for over a decade now. So really one of the, the faces of, of women's footy. And I asked her a bit about the changing landscape and um, what's it like actually being part of a fold now of, of a professional footy club you know the women are getting access to things that they've never had before so it's it's really exciting and um she offers a lot of advice too for, for players who are up and coming and I'm I started by asking her how she manages um I guess taking advantage of those opportunities and the advice that she gives to others in, in managing the opportunities um, that are coming up how do I apply it to myself? I guess it's about making sure that you choose things that you're, actually, you're genuinely passionate about and are true to you and your own brand because otherwise for everything outside of that that you, you do and say yes to, it, it, it does become hard work. Whereas if it's something you're passionate about, you genuinely enjoy doing and you're promoting something that you, you, you love and would do in your life anyway, it, it doesn't really feel like work or it doesn't feel forced. It just makes a lot, lot less energy spent. <laughs> yeah, so there's a bit of a... I guess in a way there's a bit of a gut feeling if it feels right, do it. Yeah, if it yeah. feels right, if it, if it, I mean, if you assess it, it's a, a great opportunity either for the game because I think ultimately we all understand that whilst, yes, we, we should earn things out of this for ourselves, we do have a responsibility in the time that we're at to, to grow the game and I guess as pioneers at the moment we we do have a responsibility to, to make it better for the generations that come after us and... Yeah. I, I think it's, it is our time that not everything will be perfect and there'll be things that I guess people think you shouldn't do for free or whatever, but I think that, yeah, I definitely understand that that's just part of our time and it, it's a privileged time to be a part of. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I'm glad you touched on that element because I guess in the broader discussion, um, people are looking at netball and saying, well, they're getting the pay structure right yeah. and obviously, you know, setting the standard um, and I guess laying the groundwork for a lot of other sports to follow suit. Um, how do you feel about like those sort of discussions around things like pay and um, having to ride that line between, you know, taking your opportunities and getting opportunities that, you know, no one's ever had in footy before yeah. um, and being that pioneer and that role model but also standing up for yourself and getting what you deserve? Like, is it difficult yeah, riding that it line? Is. It's, I guess you've got to strike that balance because... Mm. I mean, you are a little bit torn between what you feel is, is right for the game and what you should just do um, altruistically, I suppose, mm. compared to 
I guess there's that balance of no, you've got to lay down a fr- framework and an expectation that does help that next generation. So I guess it is that balance, but I, I wouldn't say I struggle with it. I think, I mean, the AFL is coming. I trust that they're coming from a really good place in terms of the administration that are in there and that are now driving, setting up this AFL women's competition. I do trust that they're coming from a good place. And mm. um, as a player, I, I have to just control the things that I can and that is my own performance and um, how I prepare to play. So all of that happens around us and, and hopefully we get an out, a good outcome that lands in a good place for, for both the growth and longevity of the sport but also for us as, as athletes right now. I want to touch a bit on the, I guess, the evolution of the perception of the women's game. Mm. You've been around for a while now. Um, you're a stalwart, some might say, <laughs> women's footy. Um, take me back to the last exhibition match at Witten Oval and what that crowd was like and what that feeling was like being in the centre and knowing where things are headed for 2017 yeah. and how that actually compares to how things were, you know, when you first put on the boots for, yeah. for women's footy. Well, I just got goosebumps literally <laughs> when you asked me that question because I was thinking about it recently and it has changed dramatically. Um, I mean, think back to that exhibition game and it was a great atmosphere, um, great level of athleticism, a really attentive and, I guess, invested crowd and afterwards we found out a great TV audience as well. So all of that tells us that the football public and the public in general like watching us play football, which means a lot. It, re- it really means a lot as an athlete that that we, we got that tick of approval in terms of the numbers that, that it turned out. But more beyond that, when you walk into a room now as a footballer, you, you do feel valued and like you've got some sort of credibility. I'm proud to walk into a room and say, I play football and I'm going to play in the AFL women's competition. Whereas maybe rewind 12 years ago when I played my first season of, of women's football, it was almost a bit of a unknown and had a bit of a grungy reputation that oh women's football isn't that a bit rough and the, the most common questions were about fights and <laughs> all of that off-field stuff not about the actual athletes themselves so yeah. um, I guess we've achieved this this great credibility that the sport deserves and, and that's a wonderful thing. Mm. What about I don't know if there are any specific comments that you've heard I was reading a few back uh, ground stories online that I found um, like when you did the EJ Witten's match, Witten match for the first mm-hmm. time and <clears throat> there was kind of like this tongue-in-cheek banter with some of the like old legends of the game that you're taking on and it was like jokey but it was also I reckon reading it it was almost like there was this element of um, not quite taking the women's game seriously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just curious whether there were specific comments that really have signified to you a, a turning of the tide? Is there anything that kind of sticks out in your mind or well, just be a general thing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and it, it wasn't specifically from the Witten match, but over time I have noticed that language <coughs> changing and there's been this sort of, I suppose, unconscious sexism for, for mm. a lot of years where people, without meaning to, they, they put playing men's sport as the peak for me, whereas that's not what I'm out to achieve. Like, mm. I don't see beating the boys as the pinnacle. That isn't my ultimate goal. I want to be the best female footballer against the women that I play against because in no other contact sport do you play against the opposite gender. So, yeah, constantly little comments like, oh, you could play with the boys or 
<laughs> things well, like that. Lucky me. To me, yeah, <laughs> that isn't my ultimate yeah. aim. And so, did you take if someone would say something like that? How did that? Was that like a little kernel of like firing up your motivation, oh, a or would you sort of like internally. flick it away, yeah. or did it have any I impact? Think internally, maybe, but I mm. never really let it be yeah. an outward thing because I just see that a bit as naivety really yeah but yeah you're at the reserves football up in Bonnie Doon and a guy who's just played in the reserves walks across with his pie and coke and tells me I could have I could get a game with him and I yeah. think mm, <laughs> thanks but uh is that what I want I'll be playing for Victoria with the girls on the weekend so yeah. I'm okay yeah you know, I prefer to be like, drinking Fanta <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah it has changed these days I mean I, I get to see that change every day now that I'm in at Melbourne Footy Club where you you are considered just one of the players and, yeah. and that's just that normalising of it and yeah. no comparison to the boys. It's just you are one of the players like anyone else and that, that's a, a great thing. It's a great step forward. Mm. So just being in that professional environment, um, what sort of things are you getting access to that once upon a time would have just been <laughs> no way? Oh, it's blown my mind. What what we've got access to now and it excites me about where that can take the game in the future I mean we've gotten to this point in terms of the standard basically off an oily old rag or whatever however the saying goes but Mm. now we get access to um, high quality coaches uh, I guess IT and data systems in terms of GPS and watching your own vision I've learnt so much in the last few weeks from sitting down and watching games on sports code and and learning from that whereas and up until recently we couldn't watch our own game back and get that feedback there it's incredible no stats, to think. there was no data whatsoever yeah to think that that is just such a basic element though mm. isn't it and really it's just what the women's game just generally you haven't had access to no. that vision because no. there hasn't been a tv no. you know audience no <laughs> so yeah oh. that medical and um high performance stuff has mm. been incredible uh, had my first MRI at the end of last year, which was cool. different. <laughs> Up until then, I'd probably just ignore it. And yeah, everything good? Everything yeah, normal? everything's fine. I'll be fine. I'm not but getting an exclusive here. No, right. no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I can, yeah, just imagine that would just, yeah, chalk and cheese. Yeah. Um, so to think where the game can go um, after, as yeah. you say, having gone off the smell, the smell of an oily rag in the past, um, yeah. it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, what's the next important step that you see in the long-term success of the comp? Because obviously things are really just starting. This is the beginning. Um, and, you know, it's about obviously getting those little things right so that, you know, the best teams can put their best foot forward yeah. um, and people can be the best individual players yeah. that they can be. But um, in terms of, like, long-term success, mm. what are the bigger picture elements in your mind? Yeah, oh, there's heaps of elements to it, I think, mm. right right now. But for long-term success, I think, I mean, the most obvious one for me is getting that junior development right yep. and continuing to make sure that uh, young girls, the best athletes, young athletes want to play football so that we keep getting those involved in, in the sport and mm-hmm. creating an environment where, A, they want to play, but B, they, they develop into really good footballers. And I think that's happening... Um, here at home in Victoria there's now every TAC Cup squad is going to have a, a girls under 18 squad so eventually that will become the feeder to our competition and, and once it reaches that point it'll be I think sustainable and successful. So you take clinics as part of your, your role with yeah. the footy club um, what's it like getting out and 
seeing girls, you know, come along and what, what are those interactions like? Yeah, oh, it's amazing. And I guess I first started doing that kind of thing maybe three years ago or four years ago now when the AFL put me on as their first ever female player ambassador. And at that time I thought, what is anyone going to care? Mm. Why would anyone care if I turn up at their school? They're not going to know who I am and I'm not famous, so why will anyone care? But it was amazing to see how much it meant to, to young girls and boys, but to young girls to look up and see someone they can relate to, I think is really powerful. And it, it is one of the real joys of, of you know, this change and, and the profile that the sport's now getting and the opportunities we're getting off the field is that reward of going out and seeing young girls who, who love their footy and you see yourself a lot of the time. Yeah. And But now they've got a role model to look up to and, and more importantly, a pathway to, to reach the elite level. Yeah. The Daisy Pierce Award, how <laughs> did it make you feel like to learn that like that was all happening and obviously this is, you know, your hometown of Bright. Yeah. Um, they've got a perpetual award for every, is it every girl yeah. who plays? Yeah, um, any girl that plays in any season wins a Daisy Pierce trophy, <laughs> so it's pretty cool. I like how it's not um, overly exclusive. Yeah. I'm very proud that my two nieces have both won the award because <laughs> Beautiful. they play football up there. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's pretty special. I mean, uh, Bright will always be a special place to me and the football club is a big part of that. Yeah. My family still live up there and I love going back home. But I guess for my whole childhood, the football club was where our family had its best moments, where I had my best moments, and it, it really was an extended family, particularly being in a country town I think I was a bit of a different young kid a bit of a tomboy and probably wouldn't have fit in 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 many different little circles but the footy club everyone fits in at the footy club and and they were always very accepting of of me and certainly a big part of why I continued on with my footy and have you got what are you siblings I've got four brothers four brothers and a sister yeah okay so big brood where do you sit I, well, we're complicated. My oldest brother's dad's first marriage, yep. and then three of us, yep. and I'm in the middle of the three. Okay. And then the youngest two are mum's second marriage. So yep. Yep. we're all brothers and sisters to me, but um, yeah, I'm almost smack bang in the middle. But yep. interestingly, only the girls in our family play football. So um, my little sister doesn't, but me and my nieces are the only ones out of all my brothers and my nephew that still plays so there you go I absolutely love that yeah <laughs> that's brilliant um and from what I know your dad was like a mad blue supporter and yep. I guess the family the family team was Carlton yeah um so if Carlton made any uh, attempts to lure you across or um <laughs> no, you know no. has there, have there been any threats from the the family that like come on we need you to play for the blues no nah, no threats I think they were all mad Carlton supporters, even my stepdad, who has been with my mum and in my life for oh, nearly 15 years. He was a Carlton supporter as well. And in the early days, it was probably the only thing that we would speak about. I was the bitter little stepdaughter. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very lucky. That, Brought together by yeah, Woody. <laughs> it, we took the long route, but it did bring us together. <laughs> um, but, yeah, our whole family were Carlton mad. So I guess... Oh, I would have looked down upon anyone that ever changed teams, but I came up with the only excuse that I would have accepted and it's that I now play for them. But yeah. my family have certainly taken 
are liking they, they still vote for Carlton but they've definitely got a soft spot for Melbourne yeah. now I guess that I'm there and probably like it wasn't Richmond yeah <laughs> could you imagine if you pulled on a Richmond yeah. jumper what would happen then <laughs> oh, I'm sure they'd be supporting whoever I play for <laughs> yeah um and I just wanted to ask briefly about um I know I spoke to quite a few players um, ahead of that final exhibition match and um of course it was smack bang in the middle of um finals for the women's competition yeah. and so Victorian one. Yep. right so um yeah sorry I should get all the jargon right <laughs> as well um but basically you know there was concern just for making sure that no one was going to get injured and, yeah. and obviously you had people you know coming up against each other who then had to play together on the weekend yeah. for, the, for the same team yeah. so is there a mindset for this competition obviously it's like take no prisoners when you're playing the AFL yeah but is there a mindset where everyone's so invested in making this a success that it's almost like you don't you don't want to hurt other people you don't want to injure other people or be overly of that mindset um there's definitely a bit of a shared determination to um make it a successful competition and Mm. I, i think we're we're all pretty aware that the chances of that happening are, are a lot higher if we if we're in it together. But when once you cross the, the line and you're playing in a game of footy, it's very hard to keep that in the front of your mind. We're all competitive beasts, and and we play our footy hard and tough like anyone else does when they take the field. But off field, I think we we all do share that um, I guess responsibility for for taking the game to higher heights and making sure it is sustainable. But it is funny, like, in that exhibition game, you're lining up against one of your teammates that you're going to play in a grand final with the next week or a final with the next week. So it, it's it's interesting. And some of the conversations you have out there are funny. But I think it will change a little bit next year for the actual AFL women's competition because it's not just a one-off exhibition game for uh, to showcase the game. It's It's a team and you're playing for a premiership. So I think that will take any sort of external allegiances out of it a little bit and for the three or four months that we're Melbourne football club players that's all I'll be thinking of yeah just uh yeah being part of that team yeah white line fever yeah in the end (laughs) thank you so much it's been so good catching up so welcome back to the butterfly effect fantastic interview there Chels um some great insights from from Daisy Pierce um, impressed she didn't uh, crack it when you said she's a stalwart. Um, <laughs> Mel, Mel, I meant a was... lasting fixture of, of, of great experience and wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, what uh, what was um, a couple of your sort of key takeouts from, from yeah, that? There was a lot, but I guess more so than a, a takeout from it, I'd just love to get your perspective of where you see Daisy now and where you think you could see her going because we've heard some wonderful things from her side of things. Um, but from you as someone who's been in the sport for a while now and has a fairly good understanding of the AFL landscape, but also of Daisy herself, is she gonna, are we going to look back on her in 30, 40 years' time and say that she... I shouldn't say pioneer because there have been so many women before her that have done so much of the groundwork, but she's getting the spotlight. Is she going to be one of those sportswomen we look back at and say, wow, thank you so much? <laughs> Well, she really is, I mean, you know, Daisy Pierce now is a household name mm. and, and she's, as you say, she's just, she's the face, she's in the spotlight um, and I think it's really, it's been the last couple of years, it's just exploded in terms of the recognition, um, you know, she's Football Woman of the Year, she's sort of, you know, interviews everywhere and, and really um, driving that, that pioneering aspect. 
Um, and I think one of the things she touched on was just how important it is to, I think, stay level-headed and remember that number one is, is making sure that you're giving yourself the time to, to do your job properly. Um, I think that's probably the, the first issue in managing, mm-hmm. um, I guess, the, the explosion, so to speak. But um, I, I think what is also really evident is, you know, she's been around for a long time and done a lot of the groundwork. Um, and I, I think that she's wise enough and, and has like a level head and, and the experience to be able to, I think, encapsulate all of that experience about able to make good decisions and wise decisions for the future. So I think we will look back and go, you know, wow, she's mm-hmm. she will be um, a person who has really been there for the turning point. Yeah. Um, but I think that, and I hope that, what continues to happen is um, there is an acknowledgement for what's for what's gone before and people who like Debbie Lee, for example, who yeah. who've done that mm. groundwork. Um, but uh, but I get the sense that's the conversation. It is a real acknowledgement for everyone's in it together. Well, a, a lot of incredibly talented women that have that have been pioneers for over a hundred years. Mm. I think for me, what's going to be really critical for the competition to really get success and momentum is that it becomes more than just the Daisy Pierce show and you know we've seen a lot of you know Moana Hope's got a lot of great coverage and you know there's a number of other women that have sort of been starting to get some attention which is great but I think it's going to be really crucial how the AFL and the club sort of you know start to market and promote their own marquee players and all the great stories that are there because you don't want to be a one-trick pony um, and I'm sure Daisy doesn't uh, (laughs) want to be doing every single promotional opportunity out there because as you say she's got a as soon as she stops being a good footballer then that's uh, that's going to be tricky for her Mm. um so I think it's you know it's exciting the, the as this goes to where we're probably a week or two away from the start of the competition. So it's going to be exciting to see how that uh, how that kicks off. Mm. Mm. And you know the thing that um, when she mentioned the fact that they're actually getting access to video footage of mm. their games to actually think about what that means. I mean I can even remember learning how to umpire, um, and you know in the local leagues you don't really get any feedback until you see yourself mm. um, and then you know, occasionally someone might video your performance or you might get hold of a, a local game um, that happened to be videoed and then you realise you know that what, what you're doing your body language and, and how mm. you're appearing mm. and then obviously stepping up and, and being on TV from week to week you get a real sense for, for how you're performing and it's just such a crucial part of getting better um, and I just think just little things like that I, I'm really mm. excited for, for where it can go mm. and that's that that in itself says to me how quickly this sport has gone from pretty much a club grassroots to an elite high performance program in the shortest space of time. So if, if I go back to cricket, mm. you know we've had state competitions and we've been playing internationally for many years before Big Bash came in. So you already had that footage and all those sorts of things sort of rolling through your programs. Netball would have been exactly the same before ANZ champs came in. Mm. Whereas you know, Aussie rules for the women has gone from basically club style mm. straight up to, to this. So there's going to be, they'll be bombarded with so many <laughs> pieces of information too and everyone's jumping on board now wanting to be part of it and giving, it'll be that almost information overload for yeah. a lot of them. Mm. Learning to, I think, choose wisely around the advice that you select mm. and, and the people who you go to yeah. um, for yeah. that mentorship or that advice and, and being able to, I guess, critically make those decisions. Mm. I was interested in, um, Daisy was, I think, Playing a little bit of a politically correct angle on the pay, the pay issue. I mean, mm. she's obviously one of the marquee players, and 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 you do. It's it's a difficult one because you, you you can't bite the hand that feeds you. But at the same time, 
the benchmark that this initial pay level sets for future years and how quickly or it either speeds up or slows down the, the advancement of pay. I'd be interested, you know, Mel, you've in, in your previous um, life now with uh, with TLA as a manager, you're probably yep. familiar with a lot of that dynamic. You know, how do you how have you sort of seen the machinations playing out with the pay in not just the footy, but yeah. footy's got a lot of the conversation. It does have a lot of the conversation. I mean, and we've heard Lee Matthews' comments about, you know, the men's game shouldn't be paying for the women's game. Was that probably about three weeks ago now as well? So, look, everyone's got their their ideas around it. I think one of the interesting ones, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Steph, is that when you're in it, it's hard for you to to step up and voice up because you want to protect everyone else around you, and that's Daisy's sort of role there because she's probably one of the figureheads, um, and you want to make sure that it's a nice smooth transition. There's no hiccups, and you want the everything to be as positive as, as possible. So that's where it's important that people outside of they step up and, and do the the fighting I suppose and, yeah. and getting that, that message across but going through the same process at the moment now with, with cricket the new MOU the Australian Cricket Associations want all the players to come underneath the same MOU so there's not one for men and one for women mm. which I think is fantastic um, and then Cricket Australia the, the debate around the pay I still can't even arc up and say too much about it because I'm employed by Cricket Australia I'm a life member of the Australian Cricket Association mm. and then I'm an ex-player as well who just wants to fight for the right space for the women as well I think at the end of the day though um, I'm sitting on the fence massively here <laughs> I think we do have to um, you've got to be, tread a little bit cautiously but at the end of the day you've got to fight for what's right and, mm. and I think that the increase in wages had to come it could have probably been been a little bit more because at the end of the day the women's game is what's going to take AFL to a whole new level mm. so and I think they can see that I think they know that mm. um, well they wouldn't be doing it if they you know correct. if it I mean, wasn't a lot a, of money an economic yeah. opportunity mm. let's face mm. it you know the AFL would not be interested in it without a doubt without yeah. a doubt mm. I, I just think it's critical like there's there's so much evidence that shows that if you start too low it, it'll just you'll never catch up with it. so I'm just I'm just mm. hopeful that um, you know that's um, that's taken into yeah. account. And the biggest one that I still have an issue with is that, and I get the point that they want to give it its own space in February, but for a lot of the players, most of the two sports that they play are summer and, and winter. That if the AFL season was in winter, it would actually allow some of these players to be fully full time professional athletes, whether mm. it's across two sports or not. Yeah. But at the moment, that's the area that we're debating about <laughs> and, and how about how have you seen the um the wbbl matches which have been um double headers with with the men's fixture how, how have you seen the difference in you know attendance and 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 coverage and things like that is it is it better i know cricket and footy are different sports but um does having a double header equal more coverage and support for the for the women's match massively so i did the adelaide game against the sydney Sixers at adelaide oval day before yesterday um, and it was a good crap it was at Adelaide Oval but it was a, a single standalone match mm. um, and there probably would have been oh, maybe 500 people at the Adelaide Oval it's hard to tell the Adelaide Oval yeah. so spread out mm-hmm. um, double header the other day Melbourne Renegades Melbourne Stars men and women at the MCG mm. and by the end of the women's game there was 24,500 people wow. watching the women's game yep. so, and that's with a two hour gap yeah, the so they're turning so they're, they're up to turning watch the up. women's match. They're not yeah. only just turning up, it's the dynamic of the people turning up. So, mm. um, you know, you can see on the train when you're going there, um, Dad taking his boys along to the game to watch the women's game. Mm. And that's the beauty of it, is that that changes the whole cultural side of 
just people growing up just knowing that women play sport, which is specifically cricket. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's the amount of people turning up, and it's who who are turning up. The game at um, Camberwell yesterday, the amount of just young kids there, just glued, autograph hunting. Mm. There's this pack of six boys just trawling right around the boundary, just mm. making sure that they got every single autograph of every single player. That's the changing phase. Yeah, wow. I was in Woolies up uh, doing some shopping in Brizzy. And I was just, yep, doing my thing and looked over. There were two little girls in cricket gear. And I'm like, this is awesome. Um, Yeah, it's just so great to see. The the other beautiful one was this morning. um, And not a big, I didn't really watch Sunrise, but it was on. And there was this story about this woman who was driving home in Adelaide to her farm. And they're on a cattle farm a couple of hours outside of Adelaide. And there's red and black bellied snake came up from the engine and was poking up on the windscreen so she realised it was on the outside mm. and she spoke this is the mum and she's like we're just driving back from the WBBL game at the Adelaide Oval and I sat there <laughs> oh that's brilliant <laughs> so she had driven her daughter 14 year old daughter oh, it, was a, it was a couple of hours drive all the way up they nearly died watching it because they had this <laughs> dangerous snake in her car sort of thing wow. <laughs> and you go that that's fantastic because they now know that it's on it's yeah, there and e- it's accessible exactly, exactly. it shows what the coverage coverage yeah. that's it's what it key. does yeah <laughs> i've i'm interested though one, one little comment when uh, i was at i went to the the derby the other day in melbourne as well and 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 logged on to the website when it said, oh, you know, you can buy merchandise for the two mm-hmm. teams. You cannot buy any WBBL merchandise um, <gasps> on, in, in, the, in the stores. So that's just my little, uh, my little right. uh, shout out. Leave to, it with me. Yeah, just add it to your list of things to do, Mel. I will. <laughs> um, any, uh, any other sort of interesting things that, um, that you guys wanted to, um, to talk about? I, I mean, the coming out of the Daisy Pierce interview. I, I'm, I mean specifically. I mean, I, I thought it was really fascinating. Um, her sort of insight when um, you know she's she's not interested in, in in blokes saying, "Oh, you're you're good enough to, to get a game with me," um, and not surprisingly for her, that's of absolutely no interest at all. I mean, I just thought that was a fascinating insight. That, that was the one yeah. that I got as well. I yeah. think, and, that, and that's the thing. I mean. Well, it's a bit cliched, but you know we're all about authenticity in this day and age, aren't we? But I think it's really important that you know if we're going to look at giving women opportunities that um, perhaps haven't been open to them in the past, it's about saying, all right, well you can be yourself. We don't expect you to retrofit into being a man or doing things the way that they've always been done. Um, you know, the way of the future is to try something different, and that means you know if you're a girl, be a girl. <laughs> and do things your way. Yeah, and it's that comparison that we often see in sports that haven't been traditionally female in mm. a sense. So we never really see it in swimming. No one ever says, oh, "I wonder if Susie O'Neill could beat Ian Thorpe in a race." Completely different. Um, they ra- raced completely different styles. But you never, you never ever heard that because you just grew up knowing there was a hundred meter men's final and a hundred meter women's final. It was that whole language of the mm. time. But yeah. cricket and, and football and rugby is always going to not always has always had that comparison um, and it's up to people like Daisy and, and the likes to try and start to, to break that down and just say we are our own mm. person so it's not like saying Meg Lanning is the next Don Bradman mm. Meg Lanning is Meg Lanning exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. and interestingly one of the, the talking points about Meg, Meg Lanning's sort of journey is that she played um, boys uh, boys and men's cricket as, as well, a almost pathway. qualifies her doesn't it <laughs> exactly whereas I think the next generation of girls will be saying well I played girls cricket and WBBL that was my pathway into yeah. the, the Australian team which is which is fantastic 
So thanks for another fantastic episode of The Butterfly Effect. Great insights from Daisy Pierce. Thanks for a great interview, Chels. And we look forward to tuning in to the rest of the WBBL and BBL summer of cricket and uh, and seeing and hearing from uh, from you, MJ. Might have to do a bit of butterfly effect, you know, uh, shout out at some stage. Ooh. Might have to be live streamed. I don't think Tim will let me get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> See what you can get away with. Yeah, now. exactly. Keep pushing the buttons. <laughs> okay, but well, uh, in, enjoy uh, enjoy the summer of sport as it continues, everybody. We shall do. Thanks, Deb.